Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And boys, we were having a spirited debate slash argument uh, off the air in our pre-production meeting that uh, it's going to be tough, honestly, guys, to hold that that material until next week. But sometimes in this business, in radio and in, in entertainment, you have to make tough calls. And uh, I feel like this is one of those days. So what we're going to do, uh, we're going to have Pipe do a little business. So we're going to give a little promo read from the king of the promo read, uh, Barnabas king, Piper. The king. And then we're putting it on my resume, king of the promo read. We're going to address three topics that, quite frankly, I mean, just in, in terms of being just totally honest and authentic, because we want to do life together on this program. I, I don't know that I could care any less about any three topics than, than, I, than I care about these. But um, can, can I call time out real yeah. quick? If, if we were going to choose topics weekly that Ted cared deeply about. Dude, there'd be like four things a year. It, it would be like, it would be football. Yeah. It would be uh, David Foster Wallace. Yeah. Uh, it would be teaching, writing, some combination of those things, specifically in the, the yeah. creative and journalistic side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think your wife. Yeah. Those are things that you speak with great passion about regularly. Everything else falls in the, uh, maybe not I couldn't care less, but I really don't care much at all. Yeah. And, and I can still have fun talking about things that I don't care about. But it just at first glance, these would fall into the category of things that I, I don't care about, but also like I, I would struggle to even have fun talking about them. But I, you know what? I, this show always surprises me, boys. That's the great thing about it. So sometimes I go in and, and, um, I don't feel super pumped about the topics, but then we get into it and we have a good time because we, we always have a good time. But um, one thing I know is a good time is a hot cup of Ligaris Roasters coffee. And if you haven't done so already, run to happyrantpodcast.com, order a bag of Ligaris Roasters Happy Rant Signature Blend, and a copy of the Bible study that Pipe is about to tell you about. So Pipe, take it away. Yeah, so our sponsor this week is uh, Kevin and Renee Adelsberger. Renee writes Bible studies for students. We they've they've sponsored uh, the podcast before, and the one they have out right now, the one that she has written recently, is called A Study of James. So keeping it clean, didn't get cute with it, which I appreciate because um, I feel like you you rarely improve something by trying to get cute or clever with it. So if you go to a study of you can download the study for free. And then um, she actually has recorded a podcast. So there's 15 episodes, which is basically teaching and walking students through each of the lessons in there. So it's um, so it's a it's a full full study with uh, portions that students can do on their own, portions that are great for discussion. There are there's uh, biblical background, there's theology, there's application, kind of all the important aspects of these things. She poses some really good deep, difficult questions about joy and suffering and just the themes of James, if you're familiar with the book, to get students to dig into it. And then the podcast is a great way to to kind of guide students through it and even help like small group leaders and youth pastors who maybe don't want to teach or maybe need assistance in teaching. And this is a, this is a great way to go about it. And again, it's completely free. If you go to a studyofjames.com, you just go there, put in your email, you get the full PDF download. The podcast is there. You can also get it through iTunes or wherever else you listen to those. Um, I went through the study. I mean, I didn't do the whole thing, but I I poked through it, looked at it, and it is uh, it's aimed at helping students grow in maturity, which is kind of the theme of James. So spiritual maturity, maturity in faith, 
which if you've dealt with any high school students recently, uh, is, is a pretty valuable and important thing because not a real mature group of people mm-hmm. in general. So really good content, really good layout and format. Uh, it's good for people to do as personal devotions or to do in a group context. And that, uh, that podcast feature, I think, is great as well in terms of just assisting the teaching and training and, and walking students through it because they can, again, do that on their own, do it as a group. And uh, it's 15 sessions long, so great for a multi-week study. Um, so if y'all download this now, students could start it in January in the spring and walk all the way through it up to summer, and it's perfect timing. So again, go to a studyofjames.com, download the study. Podcast is available there as well or wherever you listen to your podcasts and check that out. And thank you to Renee and Kevin for sponsoring the podcast again. Absolutely. And thank you listeners for listening to the podcast. And thank you for those who took advantage of our, uh, our Cyber Monday uh, T4R uh, experience uh, pipe. We, we sold it. Yeah. We had, a, we had brisk sales on Cyber Monday. We did. We, uh, we had almost 20 people who, uh, who took advantage of that over the course of Black Friday to Cyber Monday. Mm-hmm. So beyond the tickets that were already sold before that, we already have a decent crowd coming in April for our next mm-hmm. live event. Did you guys go shopping on Black Friday? Uh, I went to Amazon, and, but mostly to share links with other people so that they could go shopping mm-hmm. and I could make money off I of it. I love it. I love it. Pipe your business. I shared a whole bunch of stuff that I wouldn't buy. Yeah. Uh, but I thought other people should to make me money. Ron, I bet you went out on Black Friday. I bet you went to like a hipster like pop up, right? Oh, baby, no way! Where all these merchants come together and sell their like. Did you go to a Christmas tree farm? Yeah, that's Ronnie? that's all we do, man. Friday is tree day. We look, we go to Christmas tree farm. We get the house all like gussied up for the holiday. That's all we do. Wow, sounds amazing. Can you, given your your affinity for Christmas, can you do that in one day? Like, I feel like it must be a, a multi-day project to get your house ready for Christmas. We literally start at 8 a.m. and we finish at about 9 p.m. It's the best day of the year. Do you do the Clark Griswold do, thing where you cover every square inch of the outside? With No, the- we're not. I'm not super into the outside. I know that's going to bum some people out. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more of a Losing more listeners, of as you guy. Speak. Yeah, I, right. <laughs> dude, I just... The outside thing is a little weird for me because I, I don't generally I don't sit outside of my house and live, mm-hmm. so I just care about the inside looking good. And but what about when Stephen Altrogi drives by? Shouldn't he get to enjoy the festivities? You know <laughs> what? Um, you know, if Trogs wants to drive by, I would like him just to do all that outside Christmas, you know, decorating for me. You know, while he's once again not asking, you know, Ted to be on his podcast and basically just ignoring us collectively as the years seem to fly by. So, uh, you know, a little bitterness there, a little, little Christmas bitterness (laughs) with Trogues, you know, I mean, that's, that's to be expected though. Right boys. What, what would Christmas be without a little bitterness? Uh, We'll get into Christmas bitterness next week on next. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Uh, we'll call that a tease. That's That's what we call that in the radio business. But boys, I want to, I want to jump, I want to stay in the holiday space. I want to jump right to sometimes in our production meetings, we have like the three topics, but then every once in a while, there's like an auxiliary topic that gets presented. And uh, it's just kind of the, the, the producer's call as to which topics to use on the air. But I want to go right to the auxiliary topic. And uh, it's this. What's one thing you change about Thanksgiving after reflecting on the weekend? First of all, do you guys do a lot of deep reflection on the weekend? I feel like that's <laughs> a very reformed guy thing to do. Have you written about it? Have you written a white paper on Thanksgiving weekend? That's all I do for the whole weekend. I was at risk of enjoying Thanksgiving too much, so now I have to stop and reflect to put the brakes on that. 
Yeah, uh, nine. Yeah, me and Joe Carter are going to write a paper called like nine ways that we shouldn't be too thankful. Nine ways Christmas. to think about Thanksgiving. Nine things not to be thankful about. Something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Based on the book of like Ecclesiastes, right? We're just going to go right into it. We're going to hit that. It's going to be great. I love it. I love it. Big R, what would you change about Thanksgiving? You seem like an I love everything about the holidays kind of guy. Is there anything you would change? Anything that wasn't perfect in the Martin household? I feel like I feel like Martin Thanksgiving must be just like a, a magazine-ready photo experience. It would, is there anything you would change about it? I mean, baby, you know what? It's interesting you asked that because it was uh, it was it was magazine, you know, worthy as it as it always is. A lot of Instagram. How many how many pictures did you post of? Oh, a lot of Instagram. I was gramming my I was gramming my life that entire day. Mm, the Grammys, um, but I call it. It, it was. It was like the Grammys around here, but for Thanksgiving. And, and you know, we, we played a little Christmas music. We were sort of prepping ourselves for the next day. And uh, But I'll tell you what, man. It was, uh, it was a little – besides me and Big M here, there was nobody else in the house. So it was a little it was a, it was a little lonely, you know, at times. Dude, you guys went lonely Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It wasn't until that night that we uh, connected with some friends yeah. and did a little dessert. Huh. But uh, – yeah, so it was, uh, but it was it was good, but it was a little peculiar, a little quiet, you know a little I mean? peculiar. Yeah, no, I get that. It was a little quiet, right? We watched a little Miracle on Thirty Fourth. Mm-hmm. We did a little Macy's Day Parade. We read some books. Mm-hmm. You know, we did all the stuff. It took about nine or ten thousand Instagrams. Yeah. But uh, so we were busy. I mean, don't I mean don't oh, no. don't get me wrong that here. Our really hands busy. were that sounds stressful. Full. Yeah. Oh, it was. I mean, there was a lot of anxiety that day. Sure. But uh, but uh, it was weird not having a little uh, you know, fam in the mix to make things. Yeah. Just that much more miserable. Baby, vis-a-vis you know anxiety, I want to ask you a question, and I want you to be honest with me. All right. I don't even know if you're capable of being honest about this, but you described a scenario that I think is pretty common. You know, the whole, like, watching the parade, watching a little miracle on 34th. Have you ever had the experience, or if you did, would you even give voice to it, where you you settle in for some of those pre-Christmas traditions, and they don't feel as majestic as they've felt in the past? And if so, what would you do in that moment? Would you acknowledge it? Would you say it out loud to Big M or would you just kind of stuff that emotion and and wish it would go away? That is probably the best question I've been asked Mm -hmm. in 10 years. Thank you, baby. I appreciate that. I just want want to acknowledge that. Ted is a consummate interviewing professional. Oh my gosh. Um, Here's the thing. Occasionally, as much as it pains me to admit it, I'm missing a little of that magical Christmas holiday feeling. But you know what I do? I do do what you said, man. I don't bring it up. I Mm -hmm. stuff it down. Mm -hmm. And what I try to do is is just drown it out by something that I feel like is going to get me back to where I need to be. Mm. You know, whether that's whether that's just watching more of the parade, mm-hmm. whether that's putting on a vinyl that's going to get me back into the mood, whether it's wrapping some gifts. I mean, something. They're just self medicating. Like something's going to bring something's going to bring me back home. Mm-hmm. And so I don't despair. Mm-hmm. I just do whatever it takes to bring me back home. Are you and Joe Carter working oh, yeah. on a GCO essay about that? Not nine ways to self medicate if if you know you're not feeling. <laughs> Yeah, that's coming out Thanksgiving 2019. Yeah, good, good. Crossway. I, I have a question, Ronnie, about your feelings about the uh, the Macy's parade. Um, because I realize it's a it's a it's a long running tradition dating all the way back to the Miracle on 34th Street days. And but I you know I had it on this year, and my kids were watching it, and my my eight year old looked at me and said, "Dad, this is terrible." And like this is the thing that's supposed to uh, enrapture children eight. Eight-year-old yeah, girls, yeah. and so I want to know your feelings about the parade because you know I'm not a good judge because I, I tend to think they just suck in general. But 
Uh, so I recognize that about myself. I can't give a fair judgment. My eight-year-old also thought it sucked. How did Ronnie feel about it? Yeah, that, again, another great question. I haven't been asked a lot of great questions, apparently, because I've just gotten two doozies, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that pipe. Uh, here's my take on it. I think the parade is typically horrible. I just like it on in the background as I'm walking uh-huh. in and out of the room. I just like the sound of it. It just needs to be part of like the atmosphere. So yeah, Even when the sound is auto-tune? Uh, you know what? It's just, it's all a part of it. It's just one of those things. It doesn't feel like Thanksgiving if the parade isn't on. And it's not because the parade is great. It's because it's just one of those contributing factors. I got to have it on. Dude, my favorite thing about the parades is the faux enthusiasm that the hosts are required. Yeah, to and there's, like, there's something about that, right? T? Totally. It's just perfect. Like it is, it is emblematic of that time of year. You know what I mean? What what how do you think the how do you think the uh, the hosts react when it's done? You know they like throw their headsets down there, and you know they're just like cussing and then saying thank God that's over. And then what do they do? Oh, like how do they how do they unwind after that travesty? They drink a bottle of scotch, <laughs> <laughs> and or rosé depending on who they are. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I don't think they're I don't think they're probably incredibly sad. It's you know given what they are uh, given what they're pulling in for their contribution. To yeah, the they business. just they just kiss their paycheck yeah. and walk away. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're incredibly depressed about that, but uh, you know, I mean, what the heck? You know, it's uh, it's just one of those traditions. Yeah, I don't I don't really know, but I definitely don't like. I don't stand up for it. I don't defend it like it's this magical piece of like cinematic art that yeah. you know everybody should sit down and, and it's one of those shared experiences though that we're kind of losing as a culture so i was listening to pipe uh the ringer podcast the one with simmons mm-hmm. and, and chuck klosterman on it and they were talking about how like in our generation there were only like six tv channels so we had all these shared experiences and like all the references mm-hmm. that you make to mm-hmm. the 80s and 90s are pretty like universally understood because we were all like and there were like 30 albums you know what i mean like if Chances are everybody in your friend group had like a dozen of these albums that were iconic in the 80s and 90s. So you reference any of that stuff, everybody gets it. But like kids now, you know, like your daughters and my sons, like there's so much online like to choose from entertainment wise. Like nobody has the shared experience thing really anymore. So I wonder if the parades are... I think the the perfect encapsulation of that is watching my eight-year-old go from saying, dad, this is terrible to pulling out her iPad mini uh, and pulling up YouTube videos of two girls making slime mm. and and being being totally captivated by that for like 45 minutes <laughs> before. And she probably would have gone longer until I said, uh, why don't you turn that off? I can't hear the football game over that anymore. Mm. Um, so the, <laughs> kids, kids have gone from from parades to to YouTube slime videos. And uh, I guess culture is going to hell now or something. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I don't know. What would you change about Thanksgiving pipe? Anything? Um, well, it, in, in light of your question to Ronnie about, you know, what if you don't have that sort of magical, you know, feeling and, and preparation for Christmas and, and all of the, all of, all of that, um, I, I learned many years ago that I am happier when I walk into a holiday with minimal expectations. Absolutely. Mm. You know, if you expect the day to be perfect, then like the slightest thing that goes wrong means that your whole day is just off kilter. You, right. You're off course. It's not quite right. So if I walk in and I just go, hey, it's, it's a day off and there's going to be some good food and there's football yeah. on. That's, you know, that's a good right. day. And so if we just keep the bar low, then everything good that happens. So if the food is, is better than I expected, if the Vikings beat the Lions, yeah. if, you know, there's great company and great friends, then all of a sudden my day off with football and good food became 
a really great day and more things to be thankful about. So uh, I wouldn't say it's something to change. It's more like something to keep in mind. And that is just don't expect a perfect day because all that does is lead to disappointment. Yeah. No, that's that's solid. Mm. And I, I, I agree with all that pipe. Wow. I think what I would change, and I, I did have this experience on Thanksgiving Day, the, the night of Thanksgiving Day, um, decided kind of spontaneously to take my son and my nephew to see Thor Ragnarok which wasn't a movie that I would normally like gone to see, but uh, it's a fun movie though. Dude, it was I enjoyed a super it. fun movie. It was really, really good. And we went to this like wow. swanky Brentwood theater in which everybody gets basically their own recliner and their own. That's section. like, that's like all the regal theaters. Now I, when I took my kids to see Thor, we had the same experience it except incredible. it totally caught me off guard. I didn't know it was like that. It was, it was so awesome. nice. I literally felt like I was in a luxury box at a stadium. I didn't have to see anyone from the general public, which is incredible. <laughs> It was really, really nice. And it was that moment of like, after you sat around all day watching ball, which I love, I, I love all the football on Thanksgiving. Like, I really just wanted to leave the house just to feel as though I'd done something. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you went and sat somewhere else well, and watched something else. I went and sat somewhere else. I went and sat in someone else's building in a, in a, in a different recliner. <laughs> but uh, I highly recommend it. Yeah, the, the, the movie run in the evening on Thanksgiving was uh, was nice for me. But boy, look, boys, let's talk about... Um, Another kind of cultural object, and this is a weird one. Um, it's people's obsession with the royal family, like getting engaged and having babies and doing whatever the royal family does. And and I have to preface this by saying, and hopefully this is, this isn't too terrible of a thing. Like I really don't care when even people I know have babies, in the sense that. Like, I hope they're healthy and I hope the babies are healthy and like everybody's pleased with the whole experience. But like, I never remember the baby's name. I mean, I have to ask like 14 times what it's called and whether it's a boy or a girl. And, and it's because deep down, I just don't care. Um, so it's odd to me. Yeah, I, I think I think the rule should be you only have to remember people's names when they can introduce themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Or if they're like your niece or your nephew, like they're in your immediate family. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, sure to that too. But yeah, just random like acquaintances from the church when they have a baby like you know i i hope you're doing well i hope you're i hope everybody feels good but like i really don't care and that's why this whole royal family thing is is kind of a weird deal to me what what can you guys say about this pipe this was your topic so i want to know kind of where your your head was at when you brought this up well i i never think about the royal family ever mm. and so um when i when i opened up my my twitter account a few days ago and I see people just breathlessly all caps multiple exclamation points raving about Prince is it Harry is that the one who got engaged Prince somebody yeah. uh of the of the the faux yeah, royal family because they don't actually rule anything um getting engaged to who someone who I guess is an actress um I just it struck me as a phenomenon that was worth discussing because I was like, I don't know who Prince Harry is. I think I could pick him out of a lineup, but he also looks a lot like just some boy band singer or like, you know, an L.L. Bean model or something. Like, I don't know. He, he could be any sort of decently looking white dude. Yeah, like they're not um, kids anymore, though, are they? Prince Harry's, what is he, like 35? No, he's like mid-20s or something. Oh. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe late 20s. I don't know. I mean – He's a he's a ginger yeah. who who's somewhere between like twenty five and thirty five, and uh, he's not even in line for the pretend throne because uh -huh. he has an older brother mm -hmm. who everybody lost their minds when he got married and then had multiple kids. Mm -hmm. or at least when he had the first kid, I just like didn't we fight to not have to care mm -hmm. 
about what the English royalty does. <laughs> mm, yeah. And and now everybody's obsessed. I realize our own royalty here in this country not doing such a hot job. So maybe we want to go back to being a colony or something. But it I don't understand the uh the the obsession. Now Ronnie is a a an admitted diehard fan of Downton Abbey, mm. uh which Damn. makes me think mm-hmm. that he what's that? Same. Yeah, same here. I'm a big fan of it. Okay, so so you guys at least have some affinity for like the English upper classes. Maybe you can speak into this a little bit more. Yeah, Big R, what do you have to say about this? Dude, yeah, I don't know, man. I you know, somebody somebody got me like a gift subscription to People magazine a month ago. So mm. I I feel like I I feel <laughs> like I yes. I know it was crazy, man. And I, I feel like everybody that comes in judges me and I have to like convince them that no, I, I don't even know where this came from. I didn't get it. See, I would walk in and immediately go, Am I at the dentist? Dude, for real. But like every week like Prince Harry's on the cover. So I feel like I I feel like I have a little bit of like British triv going on right now in my head. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I you know, obviously I'm the biggest Downton Abbey fan that ever existed, but I, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, that, that's kind of a confusing thing. Like, remember when What's-His-Name got married and everybody had to wake up at two in the morning to watch, like, the funeral, the funeral. You hear what I just did right there? Yeah. I meant that was a total, like, on a slip. The wedding, because, like, that was the time change. And I remember I talked to all these people that were, like, just wiped out the next day because they'd done, like, the 2 a.m. thing, right? Right. And um, so, yeah, I just, man, I don't, I don't get it. Now, going back to like not caring if people have babies, I mean, Big T, if I admit that, literally 97% of my congregation is going to leave my church. Baby, no, tomorrow. you can't. In your, in your business, you cannot admit that. that, that yeah, obviously. So I'm going to let you roll with that. No, you, you, have to be, you have to be able to sell your enthusiasm yeah. about, um, about small humans. You probably got to make, you gotta make the hospital run, right? And check in on the, on the, new, the new baby and the, the mom and all that stuff. Do you have to do that? Got to do the hospital run, but there's kind of a weird trend with that now, boys. Okay. You know what the weird trend is? What is, is that it's not an automatic thing now that you just head over there because there's this new thing uh-huh. where a lot of them don't like you going over there. They want to wait now till they get home, get oh, settled, sure. you know, make everything looking all pretty and beautiful. And then you go. It's because of Instagram. Yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. You, you can't Instagram a hospital very well, but you can sure Instagram the baby with the bow and the chalkboard on like the, the white cushion. Like that's, yeah. But you can't do yeah, that. Yeah, pipe. I mean, sometimes I'm going over to see these kids, and they're already like three years old. Exactly. <laughs> they're, they're not photogenic until they're three. I'm like, wait a minute. Did you? I mean, did we ever make it over to the hospital for that? Oh no, you want me to come over now? Well, he's eight. Yeah, he's like, eight. what is he's this? Like a birthday bike, party? You know? Exactly. He's actually going to go over marital counseling now, or like, what are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> now, Big R, I have to ask you this: there was no, there was no Instagram when Bethy was born, but. As a as an Instagram never never happened then didn't exist yeah as an Instagram yeah. enthusiast and a hipster like how would you have photographed her if if that had existed do you know what I'm saying like I mean what do hipsters do do you put them in like a like on a distressed piece of wood or or like a- no man they they do the whole like so what what all what all these dudes are doing right is you always ca- you'll like like pipe you'll be able to affirm this right. Like they, they do like the, they do the picture of the baby, you know, kind of like leaning up against like the mom looking like wiped out, but beautiful. I thought you were going to say like leaning up against a wall, like smoking a cigarette, like James <laughs> Dean and Rebel Without a Cause. It's no, 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 they're like, they're like the George Costanza modeling picture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they literally, no, the baby's like, the baby's like laying on the mom, you know, in, in sort of a, sort of a somewhat-ish, scandalish sort of like picture, yeah, like you know, but like the mom, you know, you can see the clavicle. The, the, like the mom's just covered enough and looking like a tired, but then, you know, 
makeup, but still like quasi beautiful. Yeah. Like that's what's going on. Here's the thing. Like my lady, big M, I don't think that would have flown, man. And I just don't think that would have flown like on any level. Yeah. yeah get, right? get that camera that something or other out of here. Right. Is, is, yeah. There would have yeah. been no cameras. I don't, I wouldn't have wanted a camera, right? I, that's not something I would want to gram out. You know, I'm going to be honest. Bigar, I've got, I've actually got another question for you. Yeah. Throw it out. And, you know, I, I don't want to leave pipe out of this, so maybe we won't stay too long on this topic, but I, I want to know as a fellow Downton Abbey enthusiast, what was it about that show that was so captivating to you? Like, what 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 drew you in about Downton Abbey? Big T, what is going on with you asking literally the greatest questions that I've ever mm. been asked in my life? Today? That's such an encouragement to me because I, I honestly didn't feel great about today's show. No, like, I, I didn't feel good about my attitude. You know I what I mean? Tell, but, you, man, you're pouring yeah. it off right now, baby. I just got to be honest Thank with you. you. Um, Thank you so much. I don't know what it – so here's the thing with me, and I want to hear your take on this. And, again, we'll make this quick for pipe's sake. But, um, man, I – I was captive. I love drama, number two. Uh I loved that you were invested in every single character. Every single character had a story, and it was a story that you were, like, deeply interested in and invested in. And, dude, what Mm -hmm. show – I mean, I've never seen a show where I've cared that deeply about every single character. Wow. Really? That, that to me, just just did it. And I hate – I hate explosions – and I hate uh-huh. like crashes. I hate all that stuff. This Downton Abbey is everything I love about television. It's pure drama. That's all it was was drama, and that's what I love. That's true. That's true. What about Favorite you? Man? Oh man, I love Mister. I love Bates, man. I just it's hard oh, for me. I mean Bates. I loved. Uh, I love Lord Grantham. Is that I, Norman Bates. Oh my god! You know what, Ted? Can you answer the question? What did Baby, you love did we even it? learn his first name? Like, what was his first name? Like, Don or, like, Bob? or Robert. It was Robert. Robert. It was Robert Bates. Yeah, you were right when you said Bob. Yeah. Oh, oh, Uh, Bates. No, 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 no. Bates wasn't. No, Grant. Lord Grantham was Robert. Um, Mm -hmm. Wait, what was Bates's? Dude, they always just there are there are There are a thousand women listening to this screaming the answer to you right now. I can hear them. I'm looking it up right now, man. I'm looking it up right now on the old. It's going to drive me crazy. I know it's crazy. It's driving me crazy. While you're looking that up, I want to tell you about my John. Favorite. John Bates. That's who he was. John. Okay. Yeah. My favorite character was Mrs. Patmore in the kitchen. Yes. Did you not love Mrs. Patmore? Oh, I loved her. No argument there, man. No Sweetheart, argument. Sweetheart, man, just such a yeah. sweet lady. Um, I don't know. I love the show for all the reasons that that you did. I just love a good story. I love I love good characters. I'm a character and dialogue guy. Absolutely. So I'm not even so much like a plot guy, but uh, but they yeah they all had these really interesting storylines and. Um, the set design was really beautiful. Mm. The costumes were beautiful. It was just a, how do you, not to redirect entirely, but you said you're a character and dialogue guy. So how do you feel about, uh, Aaron Sorkin shows? I like Sorkin. Yeah. I like Sorkin. Sorkin does well with like big casts, lots of different characters. Uh, I feel like his dialogue is really strong. So yeah, Sorkin is, he's, He's Give legit. me an example of Sorkin. I, I'm, I'm blanking out. The West Wing, Newsroom. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. I feel like he can juggle a lot of characters. Like, he could have written Downton Abbey. You know what I mean? There's just, yeah, a lot of characters, a lot of stuff going on at once. Uh, only if they talked a thousand times faster. That's true. Uh, and and were much pithier. Yeah, he's very pithy. He's a, he's a quippy. I don't know, man. Those Brits talked pretty quick, man. They, they were pretty swift in Downton, man. They did. You know? What? Well, I just I I'm I've watched like two episodes of Down and I have zero feelings one way or the other about it. I'm just unfamiliar. Yeah. Um, 
but Sorkin shows I can't stand, which uh, makes me that that would be my unpopular opinion of the day is that Aaron so- or Sorkin shows aren't very good. I've never watched anything like, like West it, Wing. It's just that it doesn't it, the topic doesn't interest me. But everybody's they're exhausting. Off. Like right. I get done with an episode and I'm just like I I don't want to hear any words mm. for about five more hours. <laughs> that was that was half a day's worth of words in 45 minutes. Mm. Now, yeah, Pipe, more of a personality seen, thing, Pipe. Yeah. I, I can understand why you would feel that way, actually. And I feel that way, too, as an introvert who, like, people just dump their words on me. Like, I'm that guy for everyone else. And I, I for the life of me, don't know why they do this. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I get to the end of the day and I feel that same exhaustion. And it, it can be hard to, like, track with a Sorkney thing after a day like that. Um, I want to I ask one more thing about royal family stuff. Would you guys have any desire, like if you could have the job, if you could switch jobs with like Prince Harry and just be rich and in this royal family and not really have a dang thing to do ever besides be photographed and like, um, I don't know. And, and deal with tabloid stories. Deal with tabloid stories. Just show up places. Would you guys want that job? I mean, yes. The that, money's incredible. That sounds... That doesn't even sound like a job. That sounds It's not a job. That sounds yeah, like and, and it's like and it, and it's like pretend money that you have too cuz it's like mm. it's the government's money. Yeah. It's not like old family money where they're like, "Oh, the coffers are getting low after decades of of, you know, lavish spending." It's like, "No, we're just <laughs> we're just spending the paupers' money." Mm. I sure. That's being being rich, powerful and completely unencumbered by responsibility sounds amazing. Yeah. It's not a bad gig. You know, yeah, big R. Oh, dude, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd at least like to give it a shot, right? I'd, le- I'd at least like to, uh, you know, g- you know, give me a couple weeks on it and let me see how it, let me see how I, you know, <laughs> let me see how I sort I of cozy like- up to it. You know, I'd, I'd definitely be willing to give it a whirl. Yeah, you I think you're up for the challenge, though? Yeah, yeah good. I, think, I think Ronnie would be well suited for it for the following reasons a lot of wardrobe, there's a lot of jackets. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of ornate jackets, like jackets for every occasion, like jackets multiple for, jackets for occasion, multiple jackets, a lot of a lot of velvet, a lot of high like collars, cravats. I feel like you would you would Instagram well in that context, and there's a lot of photo ops, so there'd be a lot of opportunities for like. There's a lot of vacationing at the French Riviera, uh, which I feel like Ronnie could, which is exactly it, like being a sojourn pastor, actually. <laughs> right, which is, I mean, if if not thrive in that environment, you could at least you could hack it, you could do do all right at it. I, I feel like you'd be okay. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, if it if it got offered to me somehow, if there was some twist of fate where I could somehow put myself. You know, within that in that lifestyle, yeah, I would I dive right in. Pipe, I have a question about vacationing in the French Riviera for Big R, and I'm I'm going off script now, so we'll just see where this goes. But the current sort of hipster fashion in in the area of swim trunks is the really short, like John Stockton shorts. Like the like, there's just a lot of thigh showing. Mm -hmm. If you were a celebrity, if you were Prince Harry, and you were going to the the French Riviera for a vacation in a beach type of context. And knowing that you're a hipster, are you rocking those like short um, thigh exposing hipster shorts? Or are you going with something a little more tradish, man? Is this a question for Ronnie or for me? It's for Ronnie, but but you can okay. wait on this. Well, dude, I mean, if I go tradish, it means I'm actually for the French Riviera. Tradish would be like a speedo, man. So that's true. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd rock those things. Why not, man? I, I mean, are you saying like if I'm Ronnie Martin or if I'm Prince? Ronnie Martin. If you're Prince Ronnie Martin. Oh, if I'm Prince Ronnie Prince Martin. Ronnie. I'm rocking those. I mean, don't get no question. No question. Huh. Pipe, what about you? Are you rocking those like short hipster, like Prince Piper? Shorts? 
Hmm. If you're Prince Piper, it changes everything, Pipe. It does. I'm trying. I'm trying to get my. I'm trying to get into that headspace, which is mm-hmm. a challenge because I've I've given so little thought to other royalty that I've really considered myself being royalty. Um. Yeah. I mean, I. <clears throat> I feel like it would be it would be just like the wearing the proper dinner jacket or the proper riding jacket. It would be the kind of thing like this is this is the proper attire for this occasion. So, but of course, if I was Prince Piper and was say surfing in Hawaii, then I would be the proper attire would be board shorts because you always wear the proper attire for for the locale and for the occasion. Yeah, mm. yeah. As long as I'm looking scrawny, you can call me that again, Big T. I, I'd be good with that. So how scrawny and like and skinny and wafy would you have to be to like take your shirt off for a for a photographer on a beach? Well, dude, I'd probably need to drop another ten. I'm just going to be honest with you. So okay, if I drop yeah, another I ten, ask, are you are you that scrawned out now? How what's your? Well, I was going to say ten. Ten is ten is within striking distance. Yeah, like that's one bout of the flu and you're there. Yeah, I mean I'm so, close. Maybe not ten because I've even lost some weight since Live in Louie. So. I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be like a ghost for T4R guys. I'm just yeah. You're not even gonna be there. That's how tiny you're. Gonna be. Yeah, I mean, you're barely. Gonna we we will see jacket and hair and very little. Be trans- else. translucent, and I don't even know what that word means. It just sounds clear. Mm, I love it. I love it. that's that's deep scrawn right there, man. <laughs> oh, deep scrawn. Now I I like the way you phrase that even better than before, Big T. Yeah, that's deep scrawn. That's like. That's like early Mick Jagger after like two weeks of the flu level scrawn. Absolutely, that's the goal. That's Baby, have you ever been six, just like a little bit excited jagger. that you got the flu because you knew it would make you more scrawny? Um, like every single time. The problem mm. is I never get sick. I'm, mm. I'm literally like a superhero. I never get sick. I'm literally well, like you the know guy cocaine on, on is a good substitute, right? Yeah, I, there is that too, but I can't, I can't lose my job. You know, that's, uh, there's an issue oh, with that. Yeah, you know, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Details. Yeah, details. But, uh. Yeah, yeah no, you, in sure. your job, you yeah, you have to like babies and you can't do cocaine. That one I time remember, I got I the flu when I was four years old that I don't remember about, I think I may have lost like 10 pounds, but that was the last time it happened. Mm. You looked awesome though at four. <laughs> you looked incredible. I did, I did. I was looking. I looked good and I wore those shorts you're talking about. I wore <laughs> that bathing suit. Pop that collar on the jacket. Dude, everybody wore those shorts in the 80s though. There was no other kind of short, you know? Well, and that's because they called me Prince, Prince Ronnie. Prince Ronnie. Prani. They called me Prani. Ronnie, boys, we got time for one more quick topic, um, and I guess <laughs> I don't know which one of these. Let's let's talk about pastors plagiarizing sermons. Oh How about that? Oh um, examples we've heard or heard of, and why they do it. Um, Big R, you're a man of the cloth. I feel like this has been the Ronnie Martin radio hour, so let's just stay there. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to ask Piper for, uh, first because he he grew up in the household of a you know the most famous pastor there is. So, Pipe, you talk about this pastors plagiarizing sermons. Um, examples or, or why people do it, do you think? Or yeah, it, it's something that, you know, periodically I, I hear other people complaining about it, you know, like they, they heard a pastor who ripped off. Sometimes it, it almost makes it to evangelical scandal level almost. But the, the funniest example for me was, so my dad started preaching through Romans when I was maybe 14 or 15 years old. Um, and so I left partway through that series to go to college because he preached on it for like nine and a half years. Um, went to college, visited a couple churches, finally settled down at a church. And like my second Sunday at the church, the pastor there preached the exact same sermon my dad had preached like two weeks before I left for college <laughs> on the same passage. So same passage out of Romans, I think it was like Romans six, same examples, same, same everything. And, and it just, 
just ripped it off straight through. And uh, it was, I just sat there and I was like, man, this sounds really familiar. This sounds, I feel like I've heard this before because I wasn't probably listening to my dad that closely at the time. Um, and, and then, and then it dawned on me that this was, this was a strange echo chamber of like a bad impression of the real thing just six weeks later. So that was, that was the, that was the first time I've sat in on it, but I've heard all sorts of times where pastors claim quotes of somebody else. Like they'll, they'll say something as if it's their own. Sure. And I'm like, you know what? I read that in a Tim Keller book. Yeah. That's not yours. Mm-hmm. Or I happen to know that GK Chesterton said that first. Um, and that it's just a regular thing. And it's, I just, I always find it kind of pathetic. Yeah. Does your, now does your dad get tweaked about that? Like if you, if you called him from Wheaton college to say, dad, I'm all moved into my dorm and I love college. And Oh, by the way, I went to church on Sunday and I heard a guy totally rip off your sermon. Like how does John Piper respond to that? My dad is, is a cyborg. Uh And so he attaches very little emotional effort to anything he cannot invest in or resolve. Mm. So getting, getting angsty about some 500 person church pastor in the suburbs of Chicago that he will likely never mm-hmm. visit, not worth his energy. Like it doesn't, it doesn't rate. Um, I think I, it's the kind of thing that my guess is like, if they didn't ask pastor John about pastor plagiarism, shoot, they might've already done that. I don't, again, not very good at following yeah. those things. Um, he, I'm sure he would have some very strong things to say about it categorically. Sure, 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 sure. Interesting. Big R, what's your experience with this, this topic? Yeah, dude, I don't, man, it's, it's just, it's super weird for me. I, I mean, I, I don't, man, I, I, coming from an artist background, it, like that would be the worst thing in the world for me. And sometimes you say things, you don't know where you got them. And, you know, there, I mean, obviously that happens in this business, right? Because we're all kind of saying the same things, but I mean, to blatantly just take an outline or take a paragraph or an entire story, that just, that's so baffling to me. I just, I, it's just like, it's just like ripping somebody else's song off when you're writing a song. Now, is there going to be similarities? You know, there's only so many words that can be said. There's only so many angles you can take, you know, about a particular passage. I mean, yeah, all that stuff is true, but I mean, dude, it has to be your own work, man. I just, that is just to me the most foreign thing ever. I just don't get that. Yeah. But I haven't had any experience with it in terms of like meeting. You know, one time I had a friend that said, hey, I was like, so I didn't have any time to prep this week. So I, I grabbed a Tim Keller outline and then I filled in the blanks. And I literally said, I don't know if I could be your friend now, man. I mean, I just, I feel like that's just mm-hmm. a deal breaker for me. Like that was just so. So he was looking for a little like sympathy and you just judged him. I totally judged him. Yeah, I totally judged uh-huh. him. I said, dude, why would you do that? Like, just come up with something, man. Why are you? He's all, right. well, it's not the same thing. It's an well, outline, right? I, mean, I go, dude, come on. Yeah. See, and I'm, I'm even okay with, with that if it's made right. clear. You know, so like if he was to get up there in front of people and say, hey, Tim Keller preached on this passage. He had a... He had an outline that I found really helpful. So I, you know, I built this sermon based off of that. Like, okay, yeah, that's pipe, fine. Who's going to admit that though, right? Right. Yeah. Just like, just like if you, if you pull a quote and you don't know who it's from, you can just say, Hey, I heard this quote. Absolutely. Instead of trying to sound clever by just saying it as if it's your own words. That's what bugs me. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just like plagiarism in any context where it's just, you, it's just lazy and dishonest. But it's especially strange when pastors do it because it feels a little bit more like they're trying to get credit for their performance 
instead of saying something beneficial mm-hmm. to the listener. Pipe, why do you think that, why do you think pastors like do it? Like, why do they, they almost, I feel like there's like a sense where they feel like they can justify it more than like other people that are plagiarizing things. Why is that? I mean, it, the same reason, I mean, I think it's just, it falls in line with all sorts of sort of dishonest, thievery kinds of things where it's just, it's comfort, it's reputation, it's laziness. Um, is it because where they're like they're preaching truth? So like if somebody rips off a Johnny P sermon, it's like, well, dude, at least it's like, at least it's yeah. solid. At least it's truth. Like it's, so it's almost like it's almost like Paul gave him the uh, the go ahead when he's like, it doesn't matter what the motivation for preaching the gospel is, as long as you preach the gospel. Like it doesn't matter who said it first or who gets credit for it, as long as it gets said. Right. So by all means, rip off somebody else's stuff. I mean, and it, it is a strange thing to, to treat sermons as intellectual property. I, my my thing is that it. I think it usually gets done. Either, either because people don't want to do the work to study a text, so there's just the laziness aspect, or because they they want the credit for it. So it's a reputation credit issue as opposed to just recognizing that what matters here is what is said and who hears it, not who gets the credit for it. Because, um, I mean, if you're stealing quotes from prominent pastors and claiming them as your own or examples or whatever it is, you – it's so easy to take literally one and a half seconds to credit that to somebody else. But the only reason not to is because you want people to think you're the one who came up with that. Totally. Boys, we have, uh, we have done what we always do on this program in that we've wandered to and fro throughout these topics. And I, I will say this, I had a lot more fun with, uh, with today's program than I thought I would. So, um, that's really good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And, and thanks to you both for that. That's, mm. uh, that's just that's the magic of this program, boys. In a in a nutshell, the magic of know. Christmas. Um, what's that? It's the magic of Christmas. Uh, it's the magic. We'll get to that next week, baby. That's Terminating, permeating the air right now. That's why it's all happening. That's a little teaser for next week. Always promoting, though. I, lo- I love your spirit. I just love. I love where your head's at, business wise, because you're, you know, you're on top of this promo thing. But uh, boys, I have to sign off. So until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. tired of parenting advice and news headlines that are more confusing than assembling Ikea furniture, we've got just the podcast for you. My dear friend, Abby, and I are here to help you navigate the parenting roller coaster. Should your kids be on social media? What should you tell a friend facing an unplanned pregnancy? These are just some of the many questions we tackle on our podcast. Subscribe to The Real Deal of Parenting wherever you find your podcast.